The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the year. Drum roll, please. Yeah, Breeders' Cup, a two-day racing fest. Now, uh, I brought in two big guns to help us here. These are very, very well-respected, well-known handicappers. First out of the gate, from the daily racing form is Dan Illman, one of the smoothest guys in the business. He's done a little bit of everything. Uh, right now, I do believe he's still the handicapping editor and, uh, you know, does the news desk. But the, the main thing is go to DRF.com and uh, uh, check out their YouTube site. And uh, Dan and Mike Beers just do a fantastic job of you know, breaking down the races, kind of show you some things that maybe didn't jump off the paper to you, uh, their personal physical observations of horses, uh, throughout races and the competition they've been facing. Uh, just, it's, uh, it's really a great segment. And, uh, Matt Bernier has a section up there where, uh, he's with, uh, 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 Peter Fornatel and uh, Jonathan Kinchin. Uh, but anyhow, Dan's kind of the quarterback of the whole thing. And also, he, he also, during the summer, uh, he uh, does uh, spa babies and Keeneland babies. And we're going to have some very important and hard to handicap baby races uh, on the Breeders' Cup card at Keeneland. Of course, it's, uh, it's two days, Friday and Saturday. I'll run the schedule down for you. Um, but uh, so Dan's very experienced, but I'm going to call him on on that. And then a couple of races I've got personal interest in from a betting angle, to be honest with you. And so who else would you want but to go to the big A, Anthony Stabile, who was born at the racetrack. His parents met at Aqueduct. He's been a hot walker, a groom, a jockey agent. Uh, he's been working at the Nyra tracks throughout high school and college, became a writer and handicapper for the New York Post right now. He's with HRRN that are going to have a full plate this weekend. We'll let him tell you a little bit about what's going on there. But uh, nonetheless, I uh, had him on, I believe, twice now. And uh, he's, he's a great interview and a great handicapper. So Dan Elman and the big A, Anthony Stabile, will be our guest. <coughs> All right. Now, a lot of action coming up, obviously. This is the two-day window where uh, you want to get your bankroll out. If you've been hiding it or you got a little something stashed, put it in your accounts or take it with you to your local racetrack if that's where you're going to be betting uh, because the pools are just going to be so huge at Keeneland that you can make a sizable bet and uh cash in without hurting your odds at all. Now, some of these races are so competitive, I would not be surprised to see a favorite go off at 6-1. to one. And uh, particularly when you get to some of these grass races and the European horses are in there, it really throws a mix into it. But we're going to 
everybody likes if it's free, it's for me. And we at Winning Ponies are going to give you a free Breeders' Cup Challenge contest. Uh, we're going to go uh, to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, and the, the final time of the Breeders' Cup Classic will be the, the winner. But uh, there's no cost for entry. Uh, you can just go to, the, go to winningponies.com. You don't have to become a member or anything. But right up front, you know, it's just fun to play. And, hey, it's free, you know, $100 cold cash. And then I've been telling you a lot about the easy win forms. Uh, second is 100 credits. Third is 75. Fourth is 50. And then 225 is for 56th fifth and sixth and um the closest final time so you want to uh, power down on the easy win forms uh they're relatively inexpensive but the return is pretty good i'm going to be telling you a little bit later in the show about uh, what's going on at charlestown but when they were racing uh it was just uh, five days ago uh we hit a one dollar pick four that paid over sixteen hundred dollars of course, Gulfstream's still in action and uh, had uh, a hit just today at Gulfstream Park. Uh, it was a $1 Super 5 that paid over $2,000. And four days ago at Churchill Downs, yep, they're going to take a little hiatus while Keeneland races, but they will be back. Uh, Churchill Downs, a $1 Super 5, paid $2,800. I could go on and on. You can go to the website and look it up and also consider pulling them down for the Breeders' Cup races. They're going to be competitive with great pools. Okay, folks. Now, depending, there, there's a lot of good, uh, <laughs> what do you call a stakes race when you have to call it minor? But there are races that are not Breeders' Cup races on the early cards at uh, uh, Keeneland. So uh, it, it's, it's uh, 10 races on Friday, 10 races uh, on Saturday. Um, we will be starting the action on Friday at 10.30 in the morning. So I guess that means it's 9.30 if you're listening on the West Coast. And how about this? All right, now that'll give us 10 races going right through uh, the, the, the Juvenile. And that's going to be at 5.10. Don't forget, we turned the clocks back last week. So times get a little bit tighter on us. And they... Most of the light system down there is not really for night racing. It's just to make the, the morning workout safe. So let's get those races in before sundown. And then on Saturday, first post, 10-15. There's three races on the undercard. And then the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint starts right after noon. Okay. And uh, so... Uh, the action starts early. Again, if you're on the West Coast, you got to get up at 7 in the morning to catch the first race at 7.15. Uh, but uh, they got to do it. Like I said, folks, the, the, the light is waning uh, in this time zone, and so they've got to get the races in. But in any uh, the, the, the the Breeders' Cup Friday kicks in in the sixth race the breeders cup juvenile sprint and that'll be at 2 30 in the afternoon and again it'll kick in right at noon on saturday races four through 12 are all breeders cup races getting richer and richer as it leads up to the six million dollar classic and that will be at 5 13 
Let's hope there's not too many inquiries or things that would slow the car down because we've got to get those last races in on time. Now, for another free contest, I think you'll end up going up a few more betters. Uh, it's a little more national than the winning ponies is uh, the Breeders' Cup and Fan Duel are going to have a $1 million fantasy contest. So uh, Fan Duel uh, does have a, uh, a dog in the fight because they got the grade one Fan Duel Breeders' Cup mile, which is presented by the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. Now that's going to be Saturday, okay? So the, the Fan Duel uh, mile uh, is open until 3.15 in the afternoon, the Breeders' Cup mile, which is, that's the scheduled post time. So uh, you can go to the Breeders' Cup $1 million perfect finish free play. It's uh, live on pretty easy fanduel.com. Again, you got up until 3.15, predict the full order of finish for each of the 14 entrants in that race, and then you'll get points for each horse who finished uh, you know, th- throughout uh, throughout the race. So uh, guaranteed cash prizes of $20,000 will be paid out to the top 3,100. So get in on winning ponies and get in on the FanDuel Breeders' Cup. Now, I did mention uh, racing at Charlestown, and uh, it looks like COVID-19 has made them tap the brakes. There was a pair of positive COVID-19 press uh, tests emanating from the jockey's room, and they've canceled its live racing cards as of now through Saturday, November 14th, and they will have makeup days. Uh, they're going to apply to the West Virginia Racing Commission, and it looks like they've been held around Thanksgiving, November 25th, and then three dates in December, the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th. So hope to get live racing back uh, starting on Thursday, November 19th, right there. All right, let's see if we got some other. Oh, well, here's a, this is kind of a late breaking story <clears throat> in that it didn't happen. Uh, Todd Pletcher is approaching 5,000 wins as we get close to the Breeders' Cup. Now, uh, he's won 11 Breeders' Cup races, he's got five Breeders' Cup entries, and you can never really leave him off your ticket it would be pretty cool to do it in a breeders cup race so uh, uh i'm not sure i think his horse got scratched he did have a horse in the first race at Gulfstream park took a quick look and i did not see him listed in the trainers list so his must have been one of the two horses uh that was scratched now uh, he'll run seven horses at keeneland um three of those uh mustabag union gables and likable are in Breeders' Cup races, and he's also entered a pair of horses at Aqueduct. So we will be finding it out. He's done a lot as a 53-year-old trainer. And then on Saturday, he's got Halliday and Valiance running in the Breeders' Cup races for older horses. So uh, keep an eye out for the seven horses he's going to race at Keeneland. Uh, That would be something special for sure. Well, I've got some more uh, news to give you, but you know what? My producer just told me that we've already got Dan Illman on standby. So I'm going to shut my pie hole 
We're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with the Daily Racing Forum's Dan Illman. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with one of my favorite handicappers and people to talk to on this show, none other than Dan Elman's going to join us. Dan, I've already read your resume at the top of the show. I don't want to repeat that because I, I want to talk Breeders' Cup with you. How have you been doing? I'm doing great. I mean, it's the time of year where if you're a horse player, the blood is pumping. These are some unbelievably fantastic and competitive betting races, both on Friday and Saturday at Keeneland. Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, you keep trying to think, yeah, you want to maybe get together with some buddies and put a ticket together. And it's like, man, I better have like 300 buddies, <laughs> you know, because in some of these races, you know, uh, particularly when you get to like two-year-old turf races and races that involve a lot of the European runners, 
Um, I, you know, I got to be honest. I just, I, I don't have a line on him, so I got to hope. But, you know, I see Frankie DeTore in town, and he's riding 20 to 1 shots and 12 to 1 shots. Dan, c- can you see a two day period going by where Frankie DeTore does not win one of the races? Well, it's hard to imagine, right? I mean, he gets to pick and choose the best of the best of the European runners, along with Ryan Moore. I think he has some live horses. And, you know, like you, John, it's very, I have a difficult time pegging these European horses. I look at the time form ratings published in the Daily Racing Form. I try to watch as much video as possible and catch up on any of the latest news from overseas. But I think the morning line odds maker also has a very difficult time, especially in a race with 14 horses and they're all evenly matched. Uh, Frankie is on a couple of 20 to 1 shots. Something tells me his horses are going to take some money on Friday and Saturday. I, I think so, too. Again, which of those horses I'll be backing or, hell, I might just throw a deuce on them in every race that he's riding because I don't know that I've watched a Breeders' Cup where uh, you haven't seen him do his flying disc, dismount. But, uh, I mean, that's just an example of uh, what you stated about getting your blood pumping. I mean, uh, this is the best of the best, not only on the track, but in the saddle. I mean, it's exciting, but it it does bring to us an amazing handicapping challenge. Um, By the way, I want to thank you for uh, all this, the, content you provide with uh with mike beers and some of the other people you know they're uh, on your uh youtube site there once you once you get going all you gotta do is look to the right and you can pick and choose just about any race you've handicapped uh, all week long but uh, one race as a guy that uh, to some extent specializes in two-year-old races at least that's one of your assignments during the summer along with nicole russo is to track those babies uh, let's go to a race that I'm particularly interested. I already listened to your video, and at least you and I are on the same page, not you and Mike. But let's go with that Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies because, uh, as you guys pointed out, um, it, it's it's not the, the uh, deepest field, but damn, there's a lot of potential talent in there. There's a tremendous amount of talent in there, and as we mentioned in the video, Princess Noor is really the key to the race for Bob Baffert, because when you watch her run, she just looks like a potential superstar. It appears she's not getting out of first gear in any of her races. She's winning with devastating ease, just putting tremendous margins between herself and her competition. Now, then you look at the buyer speed figures, and you're like, boy, those races are really slow, and if you believe in figs, this source is going going to have to improve against a very good field to win the juvenile Phillies. She's likely to go favored. I wouldn't be surprised if she wins by a pole, and she is that next superstar Philly we've been waiting for. But at a relatively short price, I'd like to go against her. Day out of the office has done nothing wrong. She's been brilliantly managed this entire summer, because after she won at Saratoga, the natural inclination with the two-year-old is to strike while the iron is hot, run in the spinaway, run in the Frizette. And trainer Tim Ham knows what he's doing and knows what he has with this source. And he decided, let's give her a little bit of time so we can have a fresh one in the fall for the Breeders' Cup. He brought her back in the Frizette. She did very, very well, winning in a fast time going a one-turn mile. And I don't see any reason why she can't get up close to the pace and handle an additional 16th at a decent price. 
No, and you, you know the other thing you do in your broadcasts um, is you you show plenty of replays, and you, you showed the replay of, of the Frazette. And and while you pointed out th- that uh, VQuest or VQuest, um, you know, put in a solid effort as the favorite that day. Um, when I look at the two, first of all, yes, she didn't give up, but she certainly did not make up any ground on day out of the office. But when I looked at the two horses together, I got to say day out of the office might have 200 pounds on her. I mean, she looks like a colt. And that's certainly going to help her as she stretches out. You want to have that big engine and that big motor as you're going a distance, especially when you have early speed and you might be forced to actually go in the early portion of this race. Day out of the office once again has to deal with the quist, who's going to likely show some speed. I don't think day out of the office is going to be too far behind. I just think she's going to be in good position. You have Simply Ravishing on the inside, who's kind of the horse for course after her win in the Alcibiades. She's got speed as well. I think Day Out of the Office actually has an advantage drawing outside of those two horses because now it gives the rider options. If she breaks real sharp, they can go to the front. If one of the other horses to her inside goes, she can rate. I think she's adaptable to any pace scenario. Yeah, and have we, have we seen, she, uh, and except for her maiden, she hasn't gone wire to wire. She's shown the ability to uh, listen to Junior Alvarado and relax a little bit. But when he presses uh, go, she does just that. Um, I, I know you, you mentioned simply ravishing. It's, it, it's, <laughs> you, know, you just shake your head with, with the, these $50,000 purchases that Kenny McPeak keeps coming up with. And all of a sudden, she's made over three hundred and four. And in one thing in going back and studying the races that they have been running uh, – Keeneland over the years, and it's probably true at most of the Breeders' Cup sites, it's such an advantage to have a race over the strip. Oh, I, I would agree, especially at Keeneland, a track that can play really quirky. And this filly, though, just seems like she handles everything, doesn't she? She wins her debut in a turf route at Saratoga. Then she wins sprinting on the dirt. And then she wins the two-turn race. She can win on the lead. She can win from off of it. She's been a revelation, as has her sire, Lauban. I mean, who knew that he would be among one of the first crop sires, the leading first crop sires in uh, terms of earnings? Uh, she would not be a surprise at all in this race. It's going to be very interesting to see how they ride her. Personally, I think you have to take advantage of her speed in the inside post. She went gate to wire over this track. Remember that at a mile and a 16th at Keeneland, there's a short stretch. You want to be prominent when you turn for home. And your partner there, uh, Mike Beers, he liked uh, Girl Daddy from the Romans Barn. Well, she might be the best closer in the race. I think she's one of the more visually impressive horses uh, that we've seen. Uh, Dale Romans decided to give her a break after she won at Churchill Downs last time out. And I think that actually might be a good move. She's very well-bred, and she only earned an 82 buyer. Uh, and she earned an 82 buyer only her second lifetime start. That's pretty good for a two-year-old. She didn't break well, and that's the story with Girl Daddy. You've got to keep an eye on the break with her because occasionally she is slow from the gate. But she does finish her races off well, and if this pace gets hot, she's going to be rolling from the back of the pack. 
Well, let's go to the other $2 million race uh, on Friday, and it will close out the afternoon at 5.10 in the evening, and that's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, a mile and a 16th. This is the boys' version, and uh, both uh, you and, and Mike came up with with different horses, But and what shocked me is is neither of your top picks were the horse I think is the standout, Jackie's Warrior. Oh, you're not the only one. Jackie's Warrior is going to be a deserving favorite in the juvenile based on what he's done in New York in his last few races. He's just a horse that is fast and is able to carry his speed so far a mile. Now I want to see what he does. There's an old handicapping axiom, never bet a favorite to win doing something he or she has never done for the first time. And now Jackie's Warrior is going to go two turns and a mile and a sixteenth for the first time. And it's not like he's facing, you know, a bad Field. He's facing a deep field of good horses. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. I'm a little concerned about the extra distance for Jackie's Warrior. I ended up on essential quality. We talked about horse for course angles. This horse won the Breeders' Futurity and only a second lifetime start. And while that field, I think, was weak compared to some of the Breeders' Futurities of the past, this horse was never losing. He just parked himself off the pace setter on the outside, took over when prompted for run, and really never had any trouble in the stretch. Uh, He has a very ugly way of moving. When you watch him, he's got that big paddle on his left fore, and that's not visually appealing, but he gets the job done, and I think he's tactical as well. I think Jackie's Warrior is going to try to blast out of there and take them gate to wire. I think this horse can adapt to however the race shape uh, plays out. I think he's very talented, well-bred, a lot of upside. Yeah. And, you know, again, you know, uh, I can see what you're saying about essential quality. I mean, let's just look at this horse's, uh, 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 you know, work on paper. You got you got a gray son, a tapper. That's a homebred Godolphin trained by one of the hottest guys in the country right now. Brad Cox coming off of a bullet workout at Churchill. So didn't have far to ship to go to uh, uh, Keeneland. And same as we mentioned earlier has had a trip over the Keeneland track, which is really rare for the two-year-olds. So there's not many horses in this field uh, <clears throat> that have even had a trip over the track, let alone a win. So, uh, you know, hats off to you, I will say, um, in, in looking at that horse. And uh, I, I know uh, Mike was looking at the horse that been knocking at the door or snipping at the heels of Jackie's Warrior reinvestment risk. I can understand that, certainly. Reinvestment risk in his last couple of races when placed in against Jackie's Warrior was kind of put in a darned-if-you-do, darned-if-you-don't situation. Jackie's Warrior is a speed horse, and nobody else wanted to go with him, and reinvestment risk was just put in that tough spot of being on a hard chase. And he expanded a lot of energy just chasing that horse, let alone trying to finish with him in the stretch. And I think Mike's opinion in here, and I tend to agree with him, at least from a pace standpoint, is that this time around, somebody else is going to push Jackie's Warrior, and reinvestment risk will be allowed to settle into a rhythm going into the first turn and on the back stretch, hopefully have someone else soften up Jackie's warrior, and maybe he'll take advantage. And I think Mike's opinion is also that reinvestment risk might be better suited to the longer distance than Jackie's warrior. You're going to get a price on a Chad Brown-trained horse. I can't argue with that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, let's move into post time on Saturday. I know you don't live in California, but you'd have to have your uh, television on or be at the track at seven fifteen <laughs> to catch.
catch the first race. But the first Breeders' Cup race starts uh, right after the bells ring at church at uh, at noon uh, on, on Saturday, and that's the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Uh, let's take a, 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 a look at this race. It'll be run as the fourth card because uh, th- there's a couple of horses that kind of create an interesting, very interesting story. You, you have, you know, the, the Baffert horse, uh, Gamine, who look, you know, uh, like uh, like uh, Princess Noor, you know, look look like you know the, the next automatic Hall of Fame horse. Uh, then I think was tested on distance in the Kentucky Oaks. So instead of going a mile and an eighth, is turning back to seven furlongs. Uh, a stat that I found uh, interesting is that. Uh, um, uh, Baffert is over six in that or this race. That surprises me. But what I what I'd like to hear you weigh in on is what I feel is going to be a sensational match race uh, between Saragenti Empress and Bell's the one. They just finished a nose apart in a very uh, exciting race at Churchill Downs. It's uh, I think it used to be called the Humana Distaff. It's been renamed. I mean, this race is going to come down to pace, John, and whether Gamine and Serengeti Empress, the two favorites, just completely cook each other on the front end. They have similar running styles. Serengeti Empress, this is her last race. They're not rating her for two reasons. One, she's just not the same horse when she's sitting behind others. Two, this is her last race. If she's going to go out, go out on her shield. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Gamine has the speed to run with Serengeti. Serengeti Empress early. I personally feel Serengeti Empress is too fast for her early, but if those two horses hook up in a torrid pace duel, we've seen what could happen with a horse like Bell's the One. In that formerly Humana Distaff, I think it's now the Derby City or the Derby Day Distaff yeah, now. Yeah, you got it, you got it. Serengeti Empress was involved in a wicked pace battle, and she did all the running, and she put away two other horses, and here comes Bells the One, who sat back and was licking her chops the entire time, and she just got her nose down on the wire. It was a brutal beat for fans of last year's Kentucky Oaks winner, Serengeti Empress. You could argue she ran the best race and certainly ran too well to lose. If a similar situation occurs and Gamine and Serengeti Empress push each other, horses like like Bell's the one, horses like Sconson, maybe stalkers like Venetian Harbor and Speech, quality horses in their own right, can take advantage. Personally, I, I think that Serengeti Empress is faster than Gamine, and I think that Gamine is going to be ridden with a lot of confidence, and if Serengeti Empress gets the jump on her, they may try to take Gamine off the rail and chase in the two-path, and that could give Serengeti Empress a little bit of an advantage if she can get any kind of a breather. It's it's going to be a great race. It really is. Ah, oh, God, Dan, I wish I had you on for uh, the, the whole hour, but uh, I, I know I don't. So let, let's let's jump to the granddaddy. Five thirteen on Saturday. Th- this has turned out to be a very interesting race. I mean, it's brought in pretty much you know every headliner uh, that there has been uh, from the year you know the uh, the, the three year old sensation tis the law you know winner of the travers and the belmont enough said uh, then of course you have uh, you know <clears throat> the, uh, the the three 
uh, Baffert horses uh, on the outside, improbable, the Derby winner, authentic, uh, the scratch your head horse who still seems to do nothing wrong, but you get wins, maximum security, who looks like he's a notch below uh, where he was in 2019. But, you know, you got Tom's de Tot, who I tell you what, since May of 2019 has never run less than a 100 buyer figure. And I don't, I don't want to name the whole field because I, I want you to chime in with your input. No, I mean, 60%, 70% of these horses, you can make a legitimate case for them winning. It's that deep of a field. And you're right about Tom's data. Mike made a mention on our YouTube video that he might be the sleeper in the race, simply because, remember, he was favored over Improbable in the Whitney, his last start, and he completely missed the break. He went right to his nose. There was no pace. He had to come wide from last. And with that kind of trip, you're just supposed to draw a line through his race. And you mentioned all of his other fast races. This time, if he breaks, he gets the right pace set up, and he's probably going to come running with a strong kick at a big price. I had a lot of problems in this race because, as you mentioned, you can make a case for everybody. So I went back to the old pace makes the race. How is this race going to be run? And to me, the three speed horses are the seven global campaign and the two Baffert train runners on the far outside, the, pre, the, uh, pre, the derby winner, Authentic, and Maximum Security. And I think that the seven global campaign isn't as fast as the other two and that Authentic needs the lead to win, and that Baffert doesn't want to duel his two horses into defeat. So I think John Velasquez is going to get the lead with Authentic in here, and maybe that's all he needs to do if he can get a breather. He was beaten by a quality filly, obviously, in Swiss Skydiver in the Preakness when Robbie Alvarado surprised everybody by making a bold move on the backstretch and securing the inside and taking the lead away from Authentic. And I think you take the lead away from Authentic, he's not as good. If he's like Serengeti Empress in that a regard. Uh, but I think Authentic's going to make the lead. I think Maximum Security is at least going to to let him have it prompt but not press too hard. And he's 6-1 to one on the morning line. For a horse that hasn't done much wrong in his career, I'm willing to give Authentic a chance to wire this field. It's certainly not going to be easy. There are so many quality horses in here. Uh, seriously, uh, we were talking with Dan Elbin from the Daily Racing Forum. This is a horse, go, go, go back. Yeah, he's been beat, but he's run seven times his life, five victories, and two seconds, and he's won over $3 million. <laughs> how does how does he get overlooked? I don't know. I, I know uh, one of my sons ha- had him in the Derby. I said, well, Jake, what, you know, he was, he was an eight, nine to one. What made you pick him? He said, Dad. Bob Baffert. Well, good luck using that logic in this race because improbable could, could be sitting on, on his be- best race. Uh, you, you, you just don't know. And maximum security, again, as much of a head scratcher as he's been throughout his career, um, y- you can't take away uh, 10 of 13 wins uh, for earnings of $12 million, uh, some of which must be may, could be suspect. But, I mean, it is just sensational. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, uh, you know, by my standards or a lot of people's uh, long shot play of the day, uh, Tacitus, uh, who's always there but just 
hasn't been able to bring home the top prize since the uh, Suburban when he looked fantastic. And then he comes back and runs second and third. But uh, it's going to be a great race. And I'm sure you're, you're probably totally talked out, Dan Illman. So I'm going to let you go. But uh, I really appreciate on such a busy week you uh, taking the time out of your schedule. Anything special happening over on DRF.com or what you'll be looking for over the next 48 hours? Oh, head on over to uh, the DRF YouTube channel. We've got all our video previews for the races. We talk about each horse in depth. As you mentioned, we've got all the video replays. We've got a webinar from Andy Byer and Jay Privman. We've got Brad Free on his thoughts about some vulnerable favorites and live long shots. Marcus Hurst and Steve Anderson, they talk about the international races. So we've got it covered on DRF.com. It's either video.drf.com or the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. All right. Well, Dan Elman, go have some tea and some honey or a hot toddy. Relax those vocal cords, and we'll be looking for you over the next two days. Thanks so much for being on with us. Hey, it's always a pleasure talking to you, John. Good luck to all of your listeners. All right. Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. And now from Horse Racing's radio network, we're soon going to be joined by Anthony Stabile. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me from Horse Racing Radio Network and a whole lot of other places is Anthony Stabile. I read his resume at the top of the show, so I don't need to repeat that. Anthony, how have you been, Big A? 
John, how are you? Happy Breeders' Cup. Ready to uh, ready to tackle 14 races over two days. Just absolutely, absolutely sensational. Aren't you glad you live on the East Coast and you don't have to get up before breakfast and start watching the races? <laughs> well, actually, Saturday I do. <laughs> Saturday, so we have a special 10.30 post at Aqueduct on Saturday. Talking Horses goes on the air at 9.05. So I will be, uh, I'll be up at around 7.00 putting the final touches on uh, try to hopefully we have the scratches by 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 eight thirty nine o'clock for talking horses and yeah busy couple of days and when people want to listen to you on talking horses where do they go they go to naira bets they use the naira bets app or they can go to the naira youtube channel um pretty much any adw i use my naira bets app um or the, like i said the naira youtube channel has uh become pretty popular nowadays so that's where you can go for that tomorrow I'm actually hosting the HRN Breeders' Cup coverage. We have all 14 races over the next two days. You can tune in at horseracingradio.net on your satellite radio with Sirius 219 or XM201, depending on the bandwidth. I'll be on from 2.30 to 5.30 tomorrow with Bobby Newman and Ashley Mayhew, and then Mike Tenna and Bobby and Ashley take the Saturday coverage from 12 to 5.30. Same, Same station. All right. Well, folks, if you didn't have your notebook and your pen out, remember, all these shows will be on podcast uh, tomorrow morning. So you can pull back and say, where's Anthony going to be? And you can write all that stuff down. But, hey, I want to cover some races that I wasn't able to cover with Dan Elman from uh, the racing forum that have some special interest for me. And one is a Saturday race. I just love the name of the sponsor, the Big Ass Fans Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with that, but I know what the Big Ass Fans are, and it's it's not some girl that sits down by the finish line. It's uh, it's those Big Ass Fans that are at the end of a shed row on a hot summer day. But uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, it, what what an uh, interesting group assembled here. Um, of course, art collector i probably bet with my heart. I don't know, maybe not my head, but, um, you know, I, I just love that horse's story and the fact that people finally got to identify who the hell uh, Tommy Drury is because I've been watching him for years, and he's one heck of a, play, a trainer and, and a great guy. Uh, but, you know, you've also got, uh, you know, complexity in there from the Chad Brown barn, um, you know, Owen Dale, who's over a million-dollar winner, uh, and let's not forget a, a horse that's uh, had an interesting career on different surfaces, and that's War of Will. You know, who, who would have thought you'd get him at 10 to 1? So g- give me your read uh, on the dirt mile, because I'm, I'm having a hard time sorting things out. Yeah, if you can't find something you like uh, in the dirt mile, there's, real, there's literally something for everyone. Uh, a good three-year-old, an art collector drawn up along the inside. I think that's the first place you probably have to go is talk about the the draw. Uh, only 12 of the track configuration. Keeneland's a mile on a 16th around, which means that when they use a traditional finish line for this race, which is what they do, they start this race very close to the first turn, the clubhouse They turn. do, And yes. the post positions are important. I was reading somewhere... A, a horse hasn't won from post 10, 11, or 12 in the last, like, 14 or 15 races. Post 9 just has one win. That affects the favorite complexity. He's going to be breaking post 10. He already has the two-turn question to answer, and now he's going to have to do it from a post. 
it has proven to be plays one from that post. Um, so that's something I think you have to keep in mind. And, you know, you mentioned War of Will. He's drawn inside. He's got a good draw. Art Collector. I don't think we saw the real Art Collector last time. I, I didn't love the trip he pulled. Um, you know, he was coming off the, the, the layoff and, and a little bit of the, the hiccup going into the Derby, which forced him to miss the Derby. Talking about a horse that was going to be second choice in Tis the Law in the Kentucky Derby, probably going to get six or eight to one on him on Saturday. And talk about somebody who did well at the draw. He's inside. Now, there's some speed in the race, namely Nick's Go, who has regained his grade one winning form since being transferred to trainer Brad Cox, who's voiced to have a big Breeders' Cup weekend. Um, I'm assuming Nick's Go is going to go from the five hole on the Joel Rosario, whoever else is around to show some speed and our collector should work out a nice trip. He should pull out and pull a nice trip from the inside. I thought he was interesting. I put complexity on top for the simple reason. I just think he's the best horse in the race. I know he has some questions to answer, but I'll tell you this too. The post position is going to help you in one way with complexity. Probably another point or point and a half on the board. He was destined to be two to one, nine to five. I wouldn't be surprised if he was three to one or seven to two now. So if you are a complexity fan like I am, you're going to be uh, given a little extra cash, I think, if he gets the money because of that draw. Well, that's the great thing I tell everybody. Like, I'm like, look, if, if there's ever a day you wanted to bet, do it because nobody's going to see your bet. You know, you you know, you you could get you know easily five six to one on a favorite. I mean, th- this is a great day uh, uh, to play for sure. Uh, well, we're, we're talking with Anthony Stabile. Let me see what other race I wanted to uh, ask you about that I didn't get a chance to ask. Oh, here we go. Let's go to the 10th on Saturday. Uh, this is all the makings of a great story for, for turf riders. And, of course, we all know the <clears throat> fantastic story behind uh, Monomoy Girl. Here's a horse that uh, missed uh, about two years of racing and uh, testimony to Brad Cox and the people at Windstar uh, who brought uh, th- this fantastic horse back. As you know, sometimes they don't come back to their former self after that kind. But now she's undefeated this year, uh, had a nice optional claimer start, which was logical, and then showed her true self with the 104 buyer and the ruffian and uh, got the job done in the, in the La Troyan. Uh, it's just a, a sensational story. But in her own right, so is Swiss Skydiver. I mean, this horse has taken on all challengers, from coast to coast, uh, and and has beaten the boys in one of the most thrilling preaknesses I have seen since Easy Goer and Sunday Silence. Yeah, look, it's the matchup of the weekend. I think. I think Friday we're going to be ready for five exciting races, five competitive races, and I think Friday we're looking to maybe have a coronation of Jackie's warrior, who I, I think has a real chance to be uh, a real racehorse and, and really be a star. And then Saturday it turns to the classic and, you know, the other races. But if you're looking for the matchup, the quintessential, you know, one-on-one, it's Monomoy Girl versus Swiss Skydiver. And it's a lot, it's a lot like 2016. When the three-year-old songbird took on the old guard and beholder, I, it kind of has that feel to it, um, for me anyway. 
similar running styles. Both like to do their best work on or close to the lead. She's taken on all challenges, Swiss Skydiver. Been in constant training uh, since, you know, she started racing last November. Uh, she's taken on all comers. She's traveled. She's taken on the boys not once but twice. You know, it's it's a campaign of, a little reminiscent of Rachel Alexander's where she stuck on all challenges. I'm a little surprised Kenny McPeak and Peter Callahan, her trainer and owner, didn't go to the classic. Um, I, I am a little bit of, I'm a little bit surprised by that. But you know, she's one of a handful of horses over the weekend that with a win. I think with a, a win in the distaff and some help in the Breeders' Cup Classic, a little bit of a little bit of an uh, off the wall result, I think she could be Horse of the Year. I'm not as enthralled with Monomoy Girls races since she's come back. Um, I'm not going to hold the return against her. She was good in the roughing. I know it was the biggest speed figure she had ever run, and Vexatious kind of flattered her out of that. Last time in the La Troyenne, she looked a little workmanlike for the first time. She just kind of got the job done. Um, she's going to come in off the two-month break, and she's run well fresh plenty of times, but I don't know. I just I kind of feel like there's some other speed in here, and, 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 and Swiss skydivers, the goods. With that said, I don't think it's just the two of them. I think there is some there's some chance for chaos in the distaff as well. I like Dunbar Road, and you know she really stubbed her toe in the bell dame. She came off the corrective throat surgery, and she did not appear to run well. Trainer Chad Brown said that Jock came back and told him he, she did not like the racetrack. They went really, really fast in that Del Dame, you know, a mile and an eighth out of the chute at Belmont Park. That's a five-eighths of a mile straight run to the turn. That's a lot to ask for a filly that just had surgery who was witness 12 or 13 weeks. As she comes in with the race under her belt, um, horologist who won the Bell Dame, they supplemented her for a big number. Bill Mott was talking to me on uh, HRN on race day last week, and he was really excited about the prospects running her. Um, so yeah, it looks like the two of them, it looks like Monomo Girl versus Swiss Skydiver, but I think you could argue it might be a little more, uh, a little more entertaining and more open than that. Yeah. Anthony, uh, too, uh, the, as, as much as I want to see Monomoy Girl and Swiss Skydiver be the headliners in here uh but horologist you know bill mott's won this race five times so I, that's amazing I think, I think the hall of famer knows how to bring a horse up to here and the fact that you spoke to him and he was giving you that kind of vibe uh is uh, pretty impressive in its own right junior alvarado will be back up he rode beautifully uh in the bell dame and uh and i'll tell uh, you something john I have a real good relationship with Bill. He comes on the radio all the time. I know Bill a very, very long time. Bill has come on HRN and has given us ultimate touts. Um, a few years ago in the Alabama, uh, I know a lot of people, including myself, liked Lockdown, Close Hatch's little sister, and he kept talking about Elite, and it was kind of a late coming out party. Um, <laughs> believe this or not, last year on HRN, about 10 days before the Kentucky Derby, 
uh, kept talking to him about Tacitus. All he wanted to do was change the subject and talk about country house. So when he comes on, I listen. The listeners listen. I made a lot of money with Country House because of that interview I conducted with Bill Mott. Bill Mott basically touted me to use Country House. Otherwise, I wouldn't have used Country House. Wow, he likes, that is... he likes her a lot. And he also made it a point to me and to my to our listeners at HRN that he made the decision to run Tacitus in the Classic on Saturday. He felt like he had a chance. He feels like one of these big ones has Tacitus' name on it. He didn't go as far as to say it was the classic, but he went as far as to say he don't think we've seen the best of Tacitus yet. And you know what? He's not going to be against the track like he was in the Belmont and the Travers last year. He's not going to be on the lead like he was in the Jockey Club Gold Cup this year. He's got a good draw inside. I think he'll have some pace to run at. I made him my top pick. I'm a big Tacitus fan. I'm the president of the fan club. Um, but that was another one. Bill, Bill liked, Bill was, Bill was certainly touting horologist and he doesn't want people to forget about Tassus. All right. Well, big A, you've done a lot of live radio. I just got the cue that I got two minutes to post. We can't go without you, uh, you know, uh, coming in here with your, uh, analysis of the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Aside from Tacitus, it's a star studded field. It is. Tis the law, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think Tom Tom makes a lot of sense. And Global Campaign, I don't think, is a horse uh, that should be left out. I think Global Campaign, Stanley Huff, uh, just a great, great horseman. You know, I think that's that's something we don't see enough of nowadays. Stanley does an amazing job. I think Global Campaign can win a real big race. I'm going to use the four of them. I don't like one of the things, uh, you know, we were talking on radio the last couple of days. I don't like a lot of, I don't like any of the Bob Baffert runners this weekend. Um, so if Bob Baffert wins, I lose. If Bob Baffert loses, I'm probably going to make some money. Um, I think Improbable's really dressed up. I think Maximum Security never really wanted to go a mile and a quarter. I think he's done it under optimal conditions, save the Derby last year where he probably, uh, without his antics, wouldn't have won. And I think Baffert's best shot would be authentic. I know Dan Oman likes him. I, I think his best shot would be authentic, but I, I don't really like any of them. So that's probably the classic one, two, four, seven. All right. Well, the big A, Anthony Stabile, Horse Racing Radio Network. Just dial them in, folks. You all know how to use a computer now. And if not, go back to uh, the uh, earlier part of the show. He laid down the entire platform uh, for the next 48 hours, and it's going to be a good one. And he surrounded himself with some great people. So, Big A, thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies again, man. You're the best. Best of luck to everyone this week, and have a great Breeders' Cup. All right. Well, that was the big A, Anthony Stabile, uh, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. I can't thank those guys enough as much as my producer, Josh, by gosh, to keep me in line. And don't forget, winningponies.com, free contest, folks. We're giving you cash. We're giving you credits. And you're going to need those easy win forms you heard about. We only touched on like one quarter of of the races. So, uh, yeah, all right. Again, post times for the Breeders' Cup cards on Friday start at 2.30. Breeders' Cup card on Saturday starts at 12.02. Best of luck to all of you folks. I'm John Englehart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Have a great Breeders' Cup. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.